Welcome to Servants Faced Christian Ministry Podcast with Reverend Elizabeth Moreau. In Elizabeth's From Call to Scent series, she often tells us there is more. Christianity is so much more than just attending church and Sunday school. The riches of our faith are beyond what we can hope or imagine. Jesus tells us he came that we might have life and have it abundantly. Elizabeth passionately teaches the treasures of Christian life to the end that we grow and mature and experience an abundant life in Christ. Her reflections on topics and issues of the day always point to Jesus with the purpose of advancing his kingdom. She desires us all to understand the deep and rich heritage we inherit from the historic and universal church. In Romans, Scripture tells us, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. With this thought, let us continue our journey of transformation and renewal as Elizabeth shares her teaching through this podcast. Well, welcome. It is good to have you uh, listening in today and being with us. This is the Servant's Feast podcast. We've been calling it You Have Heard It Said, but I found that phrase kind of limiting uh, to try to, to phrase some of the issues that uh, we need to address, I believe. Uh, I've been comparing what we hear, uh, whether wherever we hear it or whatever, what, what we hear in the world and accept just sort of at face value without much thought. Um, I've been comparing that with what is true or actually what is truly Christian. There are all sorts of different ideas out there that we sort of uh, adopt and accept because everybody knows certain things. And then it turns out that, that these things are false or in contradiction to Christ, Christian teaching. And a lot of that has infiltrated the church, and so I was trying to address some of that. But we've reached the point in our society today, I think, where nearly everything that is said is contrary to Christian teaching. It's like living in an alien world. Um, It's contrary to Christian thought and Christian life. The world around us seems to be going crazy. Um, There's so much anger and so much hatred. But I will tell you this. I am utterly convinced that Jesus Christ is the only one who can change the course our nation is on. Not some political party, not some charismatic figure out there somewhere, not some um, policy maker or even some you know, uh, intellectual speaker or brainiac or anything like that. I think Jesus Christ alone can change the course that we are on. And I think that um, we face serious challenges in our world today. And I'm not sure that we're totally honest about that. Uh, I think we should not downplay the, the fact that uh, there are challenges to Christianity all around us. The worst thing that we can do is ignore it. And I often think the church does ignore it. We just kind of pretend that everything's the same way it always was. And we keep going along. Jesus loves you. Now go be good. And uh, that is really not very much of a gospel. So um, I think we should see ourselves as emissaries of Jesus Christ in this generation and at this time. And we need to be um, powerful witnesses to Christ in our lives, in our thoughts, in our words. So I'm not really going to change the, very much what I'm trying to achieve in this podcast. I want to say, okay, here's the world, and here's Christianity, and we need to be more Christian. Um, we're going to consider events. We'll consider commentary, things that happen or whatever. And we're going to reconsider those in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, how are we going to live today as Christians in this world? How are we going to be disciples of Jesus Christ in this world? How are we supposed to think about the, what we hear, what we see, um, the events that we uh, that occur with the, when we read commentary out there, how are we supposed to be 
like Christ and respond as Christ would. We need to be grounded in the truth of Jesus Christ, that's for certain. But uh, we also need to understand who we are as Christians. I believe that we can do that. I believe that we can... um, we can do both of those things, that we can be grounded in truth, we can understand who we are as Christians, and most of all, we can understand who God is. And because he is who he is, there is hope for us. There is hope for this nation. There is hope for you and me. There is hope for our neighbors. Because God is who he is, there is hope. Now then, if we're going to try to talk about how Jesus would approach anything, it seems to me that it would be a really good idea that we start with prayer. I'm a big believer in that, um, uh, that he might speak through me or in spite of me maybe. So let's open with a word of prayer, seeking the presence, the wisdom, and the love of our God. Hear my prayer, Heavenly Father. Have mercy upon me, a sinner, and save me. We ask that you open our hearts and our minds to the knowledge and love of you in Jesus Christ. Grant that we may receive your Holy Spirit for the healing of our souls. Illumine our thoughts and enliven our hearts. Teach us in this time so that we may know you in your Son, Jesus Christ, and live. These things we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so I want to start with um, two two anecdotes, two illustrations or examples um, that are personal in the sense that I personally know these to be true. I heard these from two distinct people. And the first one is um, a a friend of mine, a man, texted me and said that he had just sat through ethics training yet again in his national corporation, and they had come in and explained all the things about what they expected of their employees. But what was interesting about this, what was new and what was different, was that he was told in the middle of this that if the company found out that he was using social media, his personal social media, or any other kind of platform, to say or do anything that makes a sort of implies any sort of transphobia or made a sort of transphobic comment, um, or if he denied, for example, institutional racism or whatever, those would, that would be grounds for termination. And those are just two of the examples he gave me. He said there was a long list of things, and they were all um, the standard grievances that we hear about today, um, and you know the, this whole long list of of things where people say you can't say that anymore because now we all think this. And uh, he, he, he could lose his job for that. And what was really significant about it is, is that if the company found out he was doing that in his personal life, right, that he was also he could be fired if a co-worker were to feel unsafe or unwelcome in, in his presence, whether he, he, whether he meant that or not. And I got to tell you all, if you interrupt me in the middle of something and I am thinking about it and I'm focused on one thing and you just walk up and start talking to me, I know that I am real short. Now, now I don't intend to be. Uh, if you catch me off guard, you, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm not short-tempered. I'm just short-thoughted. How's that? I can only thought. I'm short-thinking. I can only think a certain... I get focused, and it would be easy to insult somebody. I, I've done it. I've, I've, I've seen it happen. I've had to apologize, you know, to people for doing that. Because I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings. I was busy thinking, and you interrupted me. That anyway, he could lose his job over that because somebody feels un- unwelcome by him. We've laughed about snowflakes, but that's an amazing thing. You, I don't feel welcome. You're going to hurt my feelings. Now, all of these are the imagined clues that he named. All these are imagined clues uh, in that witch hunt 
for that progressives call for deplorables. Um, they are they are seeking those you know Bible toting, gun toting, deplorable sort of people. And what's interesting about this is that this man is professional, and he's very skilled. He is, uh, has superior and necessary skills in an area where there are not a lot of people as talented as he is and as knowledgeable as he is. And he can lose his job for seeing things differently than the thought police do, the new thought police. He can lose his job for seeing the world differently. And speaking of police, that leads in nicely uh, to the second illustration. Uh, this woman was with her granddaughters, and they were, they're adult granddaughters, they're young adults. But anyway, um, she was with her adult grandchildren, and while she was with them, she passed by a police officer, and she stopped and she thanked the police officer for his service and told him how much he, she, she appreciated him. And the oldest grandchild just came unglued and told her how horrible the police are and how racist they are and how they're out killing people and doing all sorts of things um, that are awful. And she fully expected her grandmother to agree with her. I mean, like, they're standing there, right? She wanted her grandmother to agree with her and to stop supporting, don't support the police. They're terrible people. And the grandmother said, well, you know, the vast majority of police are good people. Um, you know, they're very good. And she goes, I, you know, there's some bad apples out there, but not that many. And um, I am so tired of that qualification as if there's something unique about police. The majority are good, but there's few bad apples because <laughs> there are a few bad apples among all of us all the time. And each of us can be a bad apple from moment to moment. It's, it's entirely possible. But anyway, when the grandmother said all that, and she tried to explain that the the that the police are you know generally pretty good, um, the grandchildren that were with her refused to listen. They were just appalled that she could hold that hold that view of police. They were so angry with her that they ended their relationship with her, and currently are no longer speaking to her. I can't even imagine that. But they did. They don't want to see her again. At least for the time being, until she can get some, she can get some good sense in her, and she can learn um, that these people are awful. The police are awful. Now, both of these are true stories, and this is what I mean when I say that the world has gone crazy. Uh, there's this crackdown on everything outside of a particular worldview, and that worldview is purely subjective. It is also utterly intolerant. It has no tolerance for any other point of view. And um, that's the world that we're living in. And the interesting thing about that is that if you're a Christian, there's no tolerance for that point of view, I can assure you. And we'll get to that. That's going to come up over and over and over again. You need to understand there is no tolerance for Christian belief and Christian thought in this world. Now then, if we look at the first instance, there's a real question about the intellectual basis for the vast majority of ethics training, such as my friend received, um, it's not ethical, for example, for Christians to believe lies, but what is especially difficult is that the definitions are subjective. The terms, uh, the definitions of the terms that were used themselves, uh, terms such as transphobic, I mean, uh, fear of, uh, of trans people, uh, that doesn't even make any sense. Our institutional racism, what is that? There's no real, there's no real definition. It's whatever you think it is. If there's institutional racism. What? What is it? Define that for me. Show me the statistics. Show me where it's occurring. Because I don't approve of racism. I think that's wrong. I'm against racism. It's a bad idea. So show me, right? I said, well, I feel right. I feel like the world's racist. Well, okay, that may be true. You may feel the world's racist, but that doesn't make it racist. Show me where it's all happening. All right. It's very dangerous when we have terms that are that don't have clear definitions 
um, and are based entirely on perceptions and not facts, it's dangerous because if your perceptions determine my employment, that's kind of scary. It's not just a matter of ending free speech, although I certainly um, believe that that is a very big matter, just for the record. I want you to realize what that means for his Christian faith. If he says, for example, that God assigns gender, not us, that and the company finds out, then he can lose his job. If he believes that God assigns gender, then he can lose his job if the company finds out. I just think that boggles the mind. If he were to post anything about marriage between a man and a woman and his company found out about it, he could lose his job. That is very tyrannical. It presupposes the superiority of secular thought and the secular mind, um, and it necessarily vilifies religious thought, specifically Christian religious thought. Um, they're, They're deeply opposed to Christian religious thought, and there's a reason for that. We'll get to that eventually. And in the second situation... You have this entirely ruptured family. They are estranged from one another, um, and they the, the, the grandchildren happen to be in college. It's supposed to have been a Christian college, but it was not, obviously, anymore. But they've been taught not just to distrust the police, but to deny um, any value to the police. You know what happens when you take away a person's value? You essentially dehumanize them. They're no longer human. They're no longer worthy of, of respectable treatment, and therefore you can do anything you want to to them, which would explain why 60-some-odd policemen have been, or police persons or whatever, have been killed in the last year. You know, apparently, while being educated into all this police hate, um, the, the professors never bothered to explain the alternative. In Los Angeles County or Los Angeles Police Department, where the budgets have been cut significantly for law enforcement, murder is up 200%. It's amazing. I don't know how many uh, people the police killed, but it wasn't 200% of the number of people killed in in Los Angeles County and Los Angeles City in the last year. It's gone up 200%. In Portland, where the police were defunded uh, in great degree, murder is up 800%. Isn't that an astonishing number, 800%? Wow. Those awful police turned out to be more useful than one would have thought. So what has this to do with Christian life and faith besides just sort of um, peripherally? It has a great deal, a great deal to do with Christian life and faith. And that is what we're going to take up in the second half of this podcast. But for now, I want us to take a quick break. Elizabeth will be back in a moment. If you have questions about this, or a previous podcast, please send her an email. Her email address is elizabeth at servantsfeast.org. We're back now with Reverend Elizabeth Moreau. All righty then, welcome back. Now then, um, just before the break, I was talking about um, the shift in our culture toward intolerance, that we've become a more intolerant culture. And I was also talking about uh, the disrespect of authority, the disrespect of anything, um, a, a family or, or whatever that's gone before you, the knowledge of people before you and older than you. And basically what I want to say is that is the price that we're going to have to pay for being Christian, right? Um, and, and, you know, I think that's going to come as a surprise to a lot of us. But if you're Christian, for example, and you believe in traditional marriage, then you can lose your job, as my friend discovered. Or if you appreciate those who serve, who risk their lives for our safety um, and, and, and stand in our, and, and our defense and protect us, then it could divide your family and you could lose family members to that. 
The thing is that none of us ever expected to be persecuted. I mean, this is America, after all. We have freedom of religion, and everybody's okay. We can do that. We're not prepared to be wounded for our Christian faith, um, emotionally, spiritually. We're not prepared to be um, hurt by our belief in Jesus. You know, I can explain to you the origins of the ideas that that are dominating our culture today, and, and many people have, and they've done it very well, and I'm sure that I'll talk about that in the weeks to come, but... Even if you can explain it and say, oh, I know where all these ideas came from, it doesn't make the ideas go away. People hold those ideas. We're going to have to live through this period, the reign of these, these ideas that are false, right? And, and we have to, there's going to be a price that we have to pay if we refuse to accept false knowledge, if we refuse to accept the ideas that are dominating our, our culture because they're completely intolerant ideas. So the question that I would ask you, and I, and I have two important questions here. The first one is, how seriously do you want to be Christian? Really, how seriously do you want to be Christian? If it's going to cost you in some way, how important is Christianity to you? I mean, how, how big a part does it play in your life? And that leads to the second question. If you say, oh, it's very, very important, then I would ask you, to, when you think we need to answer the second question. And that second question is, how much do you really trust Jesus is Christianity worth it if it's going to be costly and painful? Is Jesus worth it if it's going to be costly and painful? Can you live a life without him so that you don't have to hurt? Because if you can, you probably you probably ought to, I guess. You can't be that important. But this is what I would say to you as we look at these and we, and we weigh our decisions and we think about people being angry or our family not loving, not wanting to be around us and rejecting us because we are Christian or if we think about losing a job and not being able to afford our home or not being able to send our kids to college because they went to, you know, a parochial school, some a religious parochial school, whatever. I mean, you know, when we're looking at those circumstances and we're trying to decide what to do, here's what I would say to you that you need to remember above all else. God is faithful. He is faithful. The God who arrived in the backwaters of the Roman Empire in the middle of religion, who had become legalistic and accommodationist to a uh, to foreign rule, right, changed the course of human history. That is who our God is. He changed the course of human history from a baby in a manger. He inaugurated the kingdom of God and the defeat of death. He rose from the dead. He united heaven and earth in the, in the ascension and, in, and brought us into his presence permanently for all time. You know, it matters not at all what the atheists mock. It matters who God is. And your God is the mighty God. From him came all that exists. You know, in him we live and move and have our being. And in him all, all, all existence. I don't have big enough words to describe God. There is so much more. Why would you ever forfeit God? Because some little bandy rooster philosopher said to you, Oh, there's no such thing as God. <laughs> Hello? I mean, you know, Faithfulness in and of itself is a witness. I refuse not to believe. I refuse to give up my faith. That is a witness to Jesus Christ. You don't have to go out and stand on the street corner. You can say, I refuse to give up my faith in Jesus because Jesus matters to me and in him is life. Right? So it matters not at all what everybody else thinks. Not one scientist or philosopher or politician, no media magnate or multi-billionaire or Hollywood or sports star, no college professor is greater than your God. You know, there are many who try to be, who, who have inflated opinions of themselves. There are leaders and teachers and opinion and policymakers or whatever who function as false prophets in our world today. 
They reject Jesus and are so proud of themselves as they do so. And as they mock believers, they just, they're like, I'm, we're good with that. Mock them. They're so silly. They're so backwoods. These people are intolerant because they have to be. Because to tolerate Christianity is to tolerate exposure as false gods. And as false gods always do, they are slowly consuming the people who believe in them. They have formed an entire generation, maybe two. They've, 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 they've formed them intellectually and emotionally to live a humorless existence, to, to feed on anger and, and, and to attain some sort of false power. It's exhausting to live life without humor. It's exhausting to be angry all the time. I don't know if y'all have been angry, but you know, how long do you really want to stay angry? I kind of get tired of that. That's, these people can't tolerate Christianity. They can't tolerate forgiveness. They can't tolerate mercy. If you've convinced people that the whole point of life is raging against oppression and raging against people who made you a victim, how can, how can they tolerate being healed and made whole? If your life is to be a victim, how can you stand to be healed? You know, If your identity is based on something that you are not, for example, how can you tolerate being born anew in Jesus Christ? No, no, I want to be that over there. No, no. You need to be born in Christ anew and made a new person. If you've been told all of your life that you are justified in hating others because they are unworthy, because they're bad and they're not good, how will you ever tolerate the burden of relentless and perfect love? Oh, Christian. When I think of America today, I got to tell you, I cannot help but think of Jesus looking out over Jerusalem, where he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you are not willing. You know, that's, that's, that's the people we live amongst today. The people that... that, for, that for whom Jesus has a great passion today. And this is the generation into which God has called you. In his sovereignty and in his providence, he has brought you to this time and to this place, right? So that he chose you, so that you could bear witness to him, so that you would be here and be a part of his ministry in this world, that you would carry his gospel at this time in this place. And we are called to love and not to condemn. We are called to stand firm in truth and still be full of grace. You know, Christianity will never be eradicated because it is true. And truth always comes out. It always comes back. You can never get rid of the truth. It just keeps popping right back up. But when the truth comes out in this, in this generation, there's going to be a world of hurt around us. And people are going to need to hear that there's some sort of hope. And Christian, we need to be living hope. You know, we, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ now, we need to do that. Because he is the hope of the whole world. And that hope needs to be visible in us. You know, should we pull back to safety? Huh? Yeah. Should we stay close to those with whom we agree? Well, yeah, probably, because if you don't, you're, you're going to be worn down by the, the cultural animosity, by the antagonism, by all the voices that you hear, and, it, and you won't be able to witness to Jesus Christ. But you cannot stay in a cocoon of safety. We have to be in the world fearlessly, fearlessly as Christians. You know, as Paul wrote when he was writing to the Romans, he said, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him? of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? 
As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Y'all, I want that to be us. We need to be the ones who are preaching the good news. We need to, we need to be the ones who tell them the story of Jesus. We need, the ones, we need to be the ones who explain that what it is to believe and make sure that people have heard that knowledge and heard that hope. You know, Jesus told the disciples that the world would hate that the world hated him and it would hate them too. You know, and if we're his disciples, we may well find out that for ourselves, you know, how that hatred feels. Because we refuse to give up the gospel. If and I refuse to give up the gospel, I won't. Because it has saved me, because I can't make it without Jesus. I know I've tried. All right. Jesus also told his disciples that he had overcome the world. And we need to remember that as well. We need not to be afraid in the middle of all this. I don't know what's going to happen next. I really don't. But I know that God is at work. And I know that God is faithful. And I know that all hope for the future comes from him alone. Not from our strength, not from our might, not from our wisdom. But from God alone. This is his world. The truth will rise. And he'll be victorious. But in the meantime, there may be a real price for us to pay. Times are changing. Together, I think we can hold on to our God without much trouble. We can bear witness to his love and to his mercy, to his goodness and to his grace. And it doesn't matter how mad that makes people. If we're together, we can be strong. So I will pray for you, for your strength to remain in, in, in goodness and in grace, to remain in Jesus Christ, and I ask that you would pray the same for me, that I might also love and be faithful. So until next time, let us pray. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Have mercy upon me, a sinner, and save me. I ask you, O God, to call your people to lift our eyes to you, that we may see your glory. Send your spirit to walk with us, to guide our steps, and to remind us throughout each day of your infinite wisdom as well as the safety we find in the shelter of your love. These things we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Until next time, y'all be blessed. You hear? You've just heard the latest podcast with Elizabeth Moreau. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Podcast, or whatever service you might use. Please rate, review, and share this podcast with others. Be sure to look us up on Facebook and like and share this podcast with your friends. Also, if you appreciate this ministry, please consider making a donation to Servants Feast Christian Ministry through our website. Join us next time as we continue to explore God's truth and His transforming love for His people.